it's like it's like saying you're from Rhode Island. Like nobody fucking gives a shit about Connecticut down here in Tennessee. Okay, Delaware. Okay, big whoop. Welcome in football and other F words. I'm your host, Michael Gillum. I'm joined this morning by Zach Lyons and Michael Herndon. We are all brought to you by broadwaysportsmedia.com. Come check us out. Grab yourself a premium membership today. And uh, it's off season, but we got plenty to discuss with you today. We're going to get into JJ Watt and yeah, well, he went to the team everyone suspected <laughs> or not. And then uh, we are going to discuss Carson Wentz because we just realized this morning we have not talked to you about Carson Wentz going to the Colts. And lastly, Zach has got a great piece up at Broadway Sports discussing free agency. Free agency is upon us, so we're going to get into exactly how all of that works. So, how are we doing this morning? I'm ready to educate the masses, the unwashed, filthy masses that is our audience. Zach's got his 101 free agency thesis that he is going to nail to the door of the chapel like Martin Luther. I feel like we should just have it ready to go and just like not even answer questions anymore on Twitter. Just reply with the link and that's it. Well, that's what I've been doing with your article. Whenever I say, well, the Titans can create up to so much cap space and everybody's like, well, how can they do that? Well, here's the fucking article. Go read it and go to broadwaysportsmedia.com where you actually get analysis that you're craving and requesting. Yeah. Yeah. You would know all this stuff already. And wouldn't be asking it on Twitter like a noob if you were uh, yeah. reading Broadway sports media religiously, as you should be. And yours yeah. is pinned to your profile, right? It like is. Your, yeah, that's pinned my, to my profile. The one I wrote is pinned to the to the F Words Pod profile, so it's easily accessible. Just click on our names, and boom, there you go. There's the article that you with the information you need. You filthy animals. <laughs> but you know what? We're going to do you all a favor in the back half of this podcast, and we're going to walk you through it. We're that kind. We're going to take the article. We're going to walk you through it. Um, let's start with J.J. Watt, who went to the team everyone suspected, the fucking Arizona Cardinals. Are you <laughs> kidding me? The Cardinals. After everything that leaked out of this guy's camp about he wanted to go to a team and win a championship, John McClain with um, the Houston Chronicle had reported that Cal McNair was gracious enough to, to just, you know, release him so that he could go pursue a team to win a championship with his time remaining, you know, on his body. And he signs with the Cardinals. Well, this is the closest he could get to LA without actually going to an LA team. So that's, that's my theory is that he, he took the money going to nice weather playing uh, in Arizona and he gets to be so close to Hollywood that he can per immediately pursue his career over into acting. That's my theory he's, because I mean he's not going to win a Super Bowl, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah the, that's not where you go. That, that's what jumped out to me was like you know all this stuff about oh he's going to want to win a ring before he's done and all this stuff and and that's why he wanted out of Houston because he knew Houston was going to be in a rebuild mode here and it's like uh, no. That's not what he wanted. Yeah. He wanted to chase the bag and he wanted to, you know, maybe be, be in a, you know, sunny Arizona or whatever. So he could get some fire Instagram videos of him working out in the uh, desert or something like that. Get those I, I nice, know. beautiful painted mountains behind him. Yeah. So I don't know. It's a weird choice. The Cardinals, I was thinking about this uh, yesterday of all the NFL franchises. And this is uh, probably at least partially because I'm an AFC guy mostly. Right. But I feel like in my lifetime, I've spent the least time thinking about the Cardinals out of any NFL franchise. Like the Cardinals just almost never are on my radar. They had that brief run with, with Kurt Warner and Ken, Ken Wisenhunt uh, where they went to the Super Bowl and kind of a surprise and ended up uh, losing to the Steelers. But I, I mean, what's the next most memorable Cardinals team? I, mean, I guess like the Carson Palmer teams were pretty good, but I don't know. I, I the just, one that was on all or, the first, the first all or nothing Cardinals team is the last one that was any relevancy. Yeah, because, highlighted uh, by David Johnson. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, it's it's just a completely <laughs> random franchise. I I was sure when he went to free agency, I was like, all right, it's gonna be Steelers, it's gonna be Packers. Uh, you know, teams that make sense for why he'd want to go there, or he's gonna go chase a ring. 
um, which I always thought, all right, well, Packers are pretty close anyways. He could go play for, him per, for his hometown state. I guess maybe they never offered enough money uh, to really get in the game here. But, yeah, I mean, it's about the money at the end of the day for J.J. And, uh, and the cameras, always the cameras. Well, I mean, here's the thing. If, you, if you're really concerned about going to a um, – uh, you want to contend, right? If that's really what you're looking to do, then why choose the fourth best team in, in a division? I mean, because that's what you're doing. I mean, the Cardinals, if as long as Russ Wilson stays with um, the Seahawks, the Cardinals are arguably, if all things are healthy, because, I mean, that's the 49ers' biggest problem is staying healthy. All things equal, they're easily the fourth worst team in that division. And he cho- cho- and if quarterback, from what Ed Werder says, was as important as he says it was in his choice of choosing uh, a city – you go to with dime store Deshaun Watson. I mean, <laughs> give me a break. I mean, Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury are not a match made in heaven. Listen, I think Kyler Murray has the talent to be something in the NFL, but he's nowhere near as good as any of the quarterbacks that were previously listed, except maybe I think he's better than Baker Mayfield. And that's arguable. That's not like a definitive statement. You know, sure, he's got he's electric with the legs with when his little baby legs run and stuff, and you know, kind of like a road runner, you know, going. But other than that, I mean, this this offense is not that great, in my opinion. They were and this 19th defense, in DVOA, yeah, and this offense. defense, 19th. and I understand DVOA. People love DVOA. I'm not a big DVOA guy because somehow this defense is ranked 10th in DVOA. But or 12th or something, but they played a slew of shit ass quarterbacks for like seven or eight games. I mean, what they got to play Dwayne Haskins in one game. I mean, give me a break. Didn't I they get a John Wofford game too? I think. Yeah, they got John Wofford at the end. They had Daniel Jones and Colt McCoy in one game. They had CJ Beathard in a game. I mean, I. DVOA is a little skeptical. Of course, the people that run and created DVOA are the same ones who say that Derrick Henry isn't all pro material because he doesn't catch the ball and he doesn't deserve any MVP consideration. And in fact, Tom Gower said that a, a running back would have to run for 2,800 yards or more for him to consider a running back to be an MVP candidate. What? <laughs> this is, these are the people who do DVOA, by the way. So give me a break about, I am so out and skeptical of the the math of DVOA because the people who created it are just so fucking up their own ass. They don't, they can't tell anything. I'll use DVOA when it suits my needs, but I definitely will call out DVOA. <laughs> Only it when not. it fits Zach's narrative. There we go. <laughs> I, that is, I feel like that's the entire basis of the show. Only when it fits our narrative. And I'm really glad that JJ Watt decided to fit my narrative because this is the problem I was worried about if, if he came to the Titans, which, I need to say, I didn't really actually believe he would end up in Tennessee. I, I just, I didn't. But at the same time, like, I was fully prepared to set aside my years of J.J. Watt slander if the guy showed up here and act like I never said any of it, right? It fit my narrative. But J.J. Watt did exactly what I should have known he was going to do, which is the guy up front, and don't get me wrong, he did a lot for the city of Houston. Houston fans love him and rightfully so. And he's a good player, but we know all too well on this podcast, there's another kind of slimy side that is not talked about a lot. He's a camera whore. He's a fame whore. And he ultimately at the end of the day, chose to get paid. Now, look, maybe he's considering life after football, but if you need to grab the bag now, go for it. But I just I feel like your camp spent a lot of time leaking out. You wanted to go compete for a ring, and then you go to the Cardinals. When he tweeted out yesterday, okay, so and the whole thing we're overlooking here. Oh, yeah, the Peloton fiasco. Field Yates decided to run with that he updated his Peloton profile <laughs> to list a bunch of teams that he was still considering – and before I could even start digging around and thinking, are you fucking kidding me? Are we talking about someone's Peloton profile? He came out and said, I don't even own a bike. And then followed that up by tweeting a picture of him with an Arizona Cardinal shirt. And the first thing that rolled through my mind was not, he's not going, that he's going to the Cardinals. First thing I tweeted or thought was, 
I mean, that's kind of fucked up for the Cardinals. <laughs> I feel like you're just you're just trolling. trolling the NFL by saying, oh, look, I'm going to the cards. I'm wearing a card shirt. That's kind of fucked up for the Cardinals. And then I realize, oh, he's serious. This stupid ass is going to the desert. Now, let me ask you all a question. So this was not the most money he was offered, right? Allegedly. And- Allegedly, by John Gambadoro, who Which, is it's a in guy Arizona in guy, Arizona. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I, yeah. But apparently, this guy says that this is not the most money he was offered. He was offered money with by the Browns and the Colts, which was more money. And Tennessee's offer was very similar. Outside of the Colts, wouldn't you choose the Browns or the Titans if that was the case? Why wouldn't you yeah. choose? Okay, let me say this. Why wouldn't you choose the Browns? Like, I, take Tennessee out of it. I mean, if you didn't want to come to Tennessee, look, and none of this comes from an, a, a stems from this bashing of the Arizona Cardinals or J.J. Watt's decision. It comes from a stem. We really don't even hate the Cardinals. We yeah. Have, we're, I mean, that, I mean, that, that, that J.J. Watt spurned us is what I'm saying. Because really, he did us a favor. Because first off, he didn't accept our deal. So there's some money that we can use in other stuff. He shows... That shows that the Titans are serious about fixing this defense and that JJ or JJ Robinson, J Robin, John Robinson is um, going to spend some money on this defensive free agency. And he recognized that that's good, but he also saved us from a entire off seat, What could have been an entire off season of prolonging this and, you know, dragging this on like clowning watch. I am ecstatic. Okay. He's not here. Would we have been better with him here? Sure. Is, is our offseason over? No. So none of this stems from this idea that, oh, we're, you know, oh, he turned down the Tennessee Titans. If anything, he should have picked the Cleveland Browns. It's more money, and that defense, him and Miles Garrett and all that entire defense, Kevin Stefanski, Baker Mayfield, everything you got going on over there, that's where you go. You don't go to Arizona unless they're – I, I really do think it's, it has something to do – with with him wanting to be out near LA and the camera lights and stuff. And yeah, it could be I mean, he wants to hang out with DeAndre Hopkins. I don't know how close they are, but I mean, whatever. So there's 17 teams that had better Super Bowl odds than the the Cardinals um at the end of the Super Bowl, at the end of the last Super Bowl basically. Um including every team on this list. I mean, it's the Packers uh the browns the colts the titans um you know all the teams that he was considering basically all higher on the list in in super bowl odds than the cardinals were so if he if he's going to try to make it seem like he's going to claim a uh, going to get a ring then he needs to explain how he arrived at the conclusion that the cardinals were the best route for that because i don't think anyone sees it Spare me this idea that, oh, well, the Cardinals were only one game out and they, they had to play to, to get in and win against the Rams. Well, they lost to John Wofford. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't get in. They played Dwayne Haskins, Joe Flacco, Andy Dalton, Cam Newton, Daniel Jones, Colt McCoy, C.J. Beathard, and John Wofford. And they couldn't make it into the playoffs and they still went 8-8. Eight and eight. That's one, two, three, four, five, six. Seven games right there that should be easy wins. So against quality competition, they lost eight. Of, they went one and eight against quality competition and quality quality quarterbacking play. Technically, if you think about it, give me a break. Give me a break that this Cardinals team is that close just because you guys. Here's the thing: analysts and these uh, fans and everything. They love Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray glasses on all day long. They don't see that he, you know, throws under six yards per attempt, a a ton of games since he started. They just see the flashiness and the brightness and all this stuff. And all of them are blaming Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury, which is my my favorite narrative. It's it's not that the the guy that's running the offense that is the head coach is possibly doing what they do with Lamar Jackson and limiting, you know, you know giving him Kyler what he can work with. But regardless, give me a give me a break about this, this Cardinals team being so close. I just it's it's a bad narrative. So let, let, let's assume this is JJ Watt's last move before he retires. Let's let's just assume that. How pissed off are his brothers right now? 
I mean, I, I think I think you got to have a legit beef if you're his brothers, right? Sure, it's Pittsburgh, it's the Steelers, not a desirable place weather-wise or any anywise. But <laughs> sorry if you're from you know Pittsburgh, but uh, if I mean seriously, you have a chance to go play with your brothers. All three of you could have been on the same team, and your brother chose to move out to the desert and get paid. If you're TJ or Derek, are you a little pissed off this morning? Was it, do you, how long do you think it took to text him congratulations yesterday? Did one of them feel a little bit of slight? Did TJ look at his phone and go, man, this motherfucker, I'm going to wait 15 minutes. Word is that Derek Watt may get cut from, if you look at the Steelers nation and read a couple of things about the Steelers contract situations, their salary cap, they think that he could be a cap casualty. Oh, Derek Watt to Arizona. They're all just going to move to Arizona. Just wait, just wait. I don't know. They they probably are a little pissed, but I mean, they still get that subway money. <laughs> That's a good True. point. True. I just, it, I don't know. I hate to say it. I'd, and it sounds like I'm piling on because they didn't come to the Titans. I really didn't want him to come to Tennessee. I wouldn't have been upset about it, but I, I just didn't never thought it was going to happen. This is not me being upset about him going to Tennessee. I just, I hate to say it. I think it plays into the narrative of what we know about JJ Watt. And it's that it's, I think he's a little selfish and he decided to go get paid and go play in the desert. So congratulations. Uh, He's just going to fade into mediocrity out there in the middle of nowhere. And last thing, these, these Titans people who say, Oh, I'm so glad he didn't show come to us because that's too expensive. We don't know really how much expensive it is because the tweet just says guaranteed money. doesn't say fully guaranteed money. doesn't say cap hit. You got to quit looking at the average per year of a contract and start assuming that's cap hit. And on top of that, people are saying that he's washed. J.J. Watt is not washed. He is 31 years old, going to be 32 at the start of the NFL season. He is not washed. Get, get, Stop looking at the box score stats and just seeing the sacks and take into account his situation, take into account maybe what he did in the run game, the pressures that he got. J.J. Watt is not washed. I, mean, he's, I, I I agree that he's not washed. I do think at that price tag, I, I'm okay with the Titans not getting him there. Because, I mean, regardless of how you split the money up, the cap hit was going to be very, very large for this year. Um, at least $10 million. I don't see how you could have gotten it under $10 million unless you were willing to take, a, like, you know, 20-something million cap hit for him in 2022. But um, There are I rumors think, of void years. So two or three void years, which would change a lot of this information. But if there wasn't, I mean, even if it was 10 million, 10 million for, for JJ Watt is, is pretty good. Yeah. It's not, it's not a bad, it's not a bad deal. I mean, I, I would have taken him here if, if they'd been able to work something out that there was a okay payment, but I also think, you know, at that price, I was hoping, you know, if in an ideal world for the Titans, that if you could have got him in the like 12 million a year range, that might free up a few more million to go after some other guys. Cause I don't think they're one JJ Watt away no. uh, on defense. Like they need multiple guys. Oh my gosh. It's the third week in a row. Look at him. Look at him, just frozen in time. But they do need other guys. They always needed, they needed, if they were getting JJ Watt, they needed JJ Watt plus someone, plus some draft picks, like maybe even plus two free agents. It was never, like Mike was saying, it's never ju- was just about J.J. Watt. And this this frees up some money. I mean, it, it frees up possibilities, I guess. Possibilities it, are endless. Everything's it frees possible. up possibilities. And ultimately, he's out of the AFC South, which is great. I mean, it, again, the AFC South continues to align the stars for the Titans to succeed at really about as much as possible as they want in the division. There's another big piece removed from their schedule and removed from their, you know, having to deal with him twice well, a year. It is funny though. We do play the Cardinals at home. Yeah, of <laughs> course. <laughs> right. Of course we're going to have to deal. We're still going to have to deal with JJ Watt this year. Um, so, and uh, Michael rejoin us in just a moment, but so Carson went to the Colts. We never discussed yet another piece to fall in the AFC South. Um, the Colts gave up a 2021 third round draft pick and a conditional 2022 second round pick that can turn into a first rounder based on how much he may play. Zach, please tell me why you love this trade. <laughs> because he sucks. 
Like, 2017 is the outlier, right? That that MVP year, his second year, that's the outlier season, guys. That is the magic in the bottle. That was his best career. I'm going to run through some such amazing stats. Look, 20, Carson Wentz net yards per pass play per year. 2016, 5.4. Now, remember, when I read all of these stats, there are 32 teams in the NFL. Now, granted, some quarterbacks get injured early and other quarterbacks can come in, but all of these are minimum 200 pass attempts. So out of this is this is not good when I say this. So 32 quarterbacks, just keep that in keep that in mind. I uh, got to let Mike in back in here. Okay. Carson Wentz, 2016, 5.4 net yards per pass play, 34th. 2017, 6.5, 13th. 2018, 6.5, 13th. 2019, 5.8, 22nd. 2020, 5.2, 39th. Out of 32 teams, which with possible quarterbacks, starting quarterbacks, he ranked 39th among qualified quarterbacks okay so that that there's that stat and then the highest percentage of dropbacks from a clean pocket oh wait a minute wrong wrong tweet moving down worth noting no quarterback threw more interceptions and no quarterback had a lower adjusted completion percentage from a clean pocket than Carson Wentz in 2020 from a clean pocket which is you know the big thing about him going to the Colts oh now he's got a uh He's got the uh, the Colts offensive line, which is missing its star left tackle, by the way. And they're going to have to fill that void, which doesn't even have T.Y. Hilton, which may be Michael Pittman, but now Michael Pittman's not giving up his number to Carson Wentz, so Carson Wentz is going to totally ignore him. So from a clean pocket, out of 35 qualifying quarterbacks with a minimum of 250 dropbacks, he was number one in interceptions. He threw 10 interceptions from a clean pocket. He had, a, he had the 35th adjusted completion percentage and the 33rd NFL passer rating. This guy is not good. He's broke. And, you know, give me a break that Frank Reich is somehow going to fix him and this whole thing is going to happen. Look, Frank Reich may get him to, you know, he may get him for out of the basement of the 39th ranked quarterback or 35th ranked quarterback and maybe to 31 and 30. And maybe that's all the Colts need. I'm just not feeling it. I'm not feeling it from this team. You know, they have a whole off season to maybe make some changes. They may, there's, they could get Corey Davis or they could get Allen Robinson. They could get, you know, some good offensive weapons in the passing game. But when you're when Trey Burton has more postseason uh, Super Bowl touchdowns than Carson Wentz, and Trey Burton's on your team, you should just roll with Trey Burton at this point. Mike rejoins us. Mike, welcome, man. We're discussing Carson Wentz and how much he sucks. Yeah, he sucks as bad as my internet connection. Um, <laughs> so he, um, yeah, I, I don't think he's good anymore. I think anybody that's hanging on to his 2017 stuff is, I mean, look at it this way: Titans fans are legitimately ready to boot a Dory Jackson, uh, you know, and kick him into the sun um, because he was bad for four games last year um, after being really good in, in 2019 and 2018. Um, and yet they're terrified of Carson Wentz, who hasn't been good in a, a solid three years, maybe four years um, at all. And he's played, you know, way more football, way more bad football than a Dory Jackson. So if you are out on a Dory Jackson, but in on Carson Wentz, I need you to explain to me why, because I don't understand the logic. Cause I can tell you you're why. looking at a this, four game sample size where a guy's definitely hurt. This fan base loves it, it to cling versus, to broken quarterbacks who had one good year. They, they, they love to live in the past. That's true. What, what, quarterback, what, could, what quarterback could you possibly rear off and say, well, so I just, I mean, Stinko. Jake Locker. Yeah. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Ojo Cinco. No Stinko. But, I just I, I can't get out of 39 out of 32. I mean, does this mean Brock Osweiler is sitting at home <laughs> with a better rating? Like he just hasn't been in the league for three years and he just is somehow better than Carson Wentz. I I agree with you, Zach. I, I really think this is gonna be a mess for the Colts. He, he threw the second most interceptable passes and he had a 30, he was 34th 
in accuracy rating um, for, according to player profile. On top of all of this, the Eagles somehow, somehow, and maybe this is an indictment on the SPN and those nerds over there. I'm on. I'm going up against the nerd brigade today. But somehow the Colts have a better pass block win rate. The Colt, or the uh, Eagles offensive line had ranked higher in pass block win rate than the Colts offensive line. Don't know how, but let me say something. At Titans Tape on Twitter, he has a Carson Wentz highlight reel, technically, and it's three minutes, I think, almost, of just horribly bad, badly thrown passes. I've never seen passes thrown this bad, and we, I've watched Matt Mock play and Zach Mettenberger play here at the Tennessee Titans. I mean, this guy, <laughs> I'm not saying that he's that bad. Don't get me wrong. But for a, for, to trade what you trade and for him to be a starting quarterback, you know, I see it, respectable analysts like Stephen Holder, you know, and then other not-so-respectable analysts like Dan Orlovsky both try to wrap their twister brains into thinking that Carson Wentz is going to make that comeback and he's going to do this or that. He's just broke. He is a broke quarterback. Listen, it's it's the exact same thing that a lot of us were doing with Mariota heading into year five. And and it's it's a predictable trap, right? It's like, oh, well, we've seen flashes from this guy four years ago now. But, you know, every now and then you see a game where it's like, oh, yeah, that looks like 2016, Marcus. It's the same thing with Wentz, except it's a year later. It's 2017. Oh, yeah, that looked like 2017 Wentz on that throw. The problem is it doesn't stick around. And, and he's got the exact same issues that Marcus did he plays with zero confidence now he's tentative and hesitant he takes a ton of sacks because he doesn't trust what he's looking at uh, or trust himself to to just let it rip it is a carbon copy of Mariota and and maybe maybe Wentz is is able to rehabilitate to some degree but I'll believe it when I see it man I am not gonna live in fear of this dude suddenly going from the worst quarterback in the league to an MVP candidate, which is what some people are trying to spin him as with the Colts. Like, give me a break. The Colts offensive uh, support system is not that good. Um, it is. <laughs> that's an utterly ridiculous idea. And I would good, rather have 50 year old Phillip rivers than 25 year old Carson Wentz. There's a good chance that <laughs> they could lose T.Y. Hilton this year. Correct. Yeah, and it, 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 I think it's weird that yeah. his nickname is Ghost because he did disappear a lot last year. It is. Yeah, I, did, I didn't realize it was his nickname either. Look, I, Mike, you're exactly right. I, the, <clears throat> excuse me. It's the whole, it's the Mariota piece, right? You can't keep looking at flashes of saying, oh, well, there it is. There's glimpses of 2016. If you have an employee that only shows up to work on time four days a month, you can't look at those four days and say, oh, well, there it is. There's the four days that he's a good employee. And you're just overlooking the fact that 26 other days, he's dropping a full box of liquor every single day and breaking everything at it. Like, just stop it. Look at the whole picture. Carson Wentz to the Colts is going to be a disaster. And if he's not a disaster, I'm not going to be able to come on here and apologize anymore because I've been so wrong about so many things. But I <laughs> he only had three games out of 12 where he didn't throw an interception. I mean, in in last year, just three games. I mean, that is a this is a, a this is just Marcus all over again. Yeah. So here you are, Titans fans. Your team is poised to do whatever they want in the AFC South, but for for all intents and purposes, I really hope they actually do it. Yeah. I mean, there there there's just no reason. I mean, maybe the Jaguars will give you a slip up or or something like that. And you, you may still split a game with the Colts because it just really depends on what both teams do in free agency. But to think that the Colts are automatic Super Bowl contenders and that Dan Orlovsky saying that Carson Wentz last year was going to be an MVP candidate and now is already saying this year is going to be an MVP candidate. This man went from being one of the most respectable analysts when he first came on the scene to just, you know, Back running out of the end zone and, and you know and, and stuff. I mean, this guy is just has gone off the deep rails and eat some food, Dan. I mean, my God, he looks like the it was Christian Bell and the Machinist on some gaunt. days. <laughs> the Machinist. 
Uh, okay. I don't know how to transition all the machinists into this, but we're going to do it. Free agency. Zach is we're a lovely, machine, baby. Zach has got a lovely piece of a Broadway sports media called Free Agency 101, and it will walk you through the basics of free agency, dates to know, salary cap basics, signing bonuses, incentives, the whole gamut. We're going to run through a few of those today. Um, I, I do want to start with dates to know, and then I'm going to turn you loose, Zach, and we're going right. to go. Well, that's where I was going to start. So that's good. So dates to know franchise tag is we're in the midst of uh, teams being able to tag players. Uh, it's from February 23rd to March 9th. Then March 15th through the 17th is the legal negotiating window, tampering window where the NFL free agency begins. Teams are allowed to kind of negotiate with pending unrestricted free agents and they become official at 3 PM central standard time on March 17th. And by that time, all teams that are over the salary cap because of the contracts that are hitting this year and cap hits in this year have to be under the salary cap. April 5th, any team with a new head coach could begin the work offseason workouts. April 19th, teams with uh, returning head coaches become eligible to begin offseason workout program. Doesn't necessarily they mean they have to start that day. They can just start that day. And then, of course, the everybody's favorite time, the NFL draft, April 29th through May 1st. Now, to get into some salary cap basics real quick, right now, Spotrack and Over the Cap are projecting a $185 million per team salary cap. The floor is set at 180 Now, that does not mean every team has to spend 180 but that does mean that it can go up to one, past 180 which from some reports, and I'll be doing an a, um, article this week, uh, because I went into the CBA and figured out how they actually calculate the salary cap and stuff for the most part. It's not fully in there, but they're talking about $2.6 billion per year in a media rights deal with Disney. That's going to shoot the salary cap buck up probably near what it was last year. So don't now that, worry. That's, they usually do is lagging though, right? So like it's based on well, I'm gonna get last there. year's. Yeah. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. I'm gonna get there. Man, just and the reason, yeah, the reason why, and it'll be in the article and explained in the article, is because they could borrow from future years' media deals to put it into this year's salary cap. They could take a loan out, a little short-term loan. We'll see what they do, but for all intents and purposes, they'll probably do that and bump up the salary cap more than likely. But it's what I'll get into the article later. Basically, what you need to know is the top 51. The salary cap is a top 51 contract. So. Every team, your cap space is total NFL salary cap minus top 51 contracts equals team cap space. Total NFL salary cap is from rollover from the previous year and stuff like that. So, again, stuff we don't need to get into, really. Just keeping it clean, keeping it easy. So, top 51. We've talked about this on the podcast last year. It's in the article over at broadwaysportsmedia.com. Basically, the top 51 is the biggest thing you need to know about the salary cap. Basically, if we sign a player and their cap hit is $10 million, whoever is at uh, number 51 gets bumped off the uh, salary cap. So let's say it's $10 million and the person that's getting bumped off is a $500,000 cap hit. Then the actual cap hit that's going to count towards the cap or your cap number that you're going to see on websites and everything, it's actually just going to be 9.5 because you take the difference between the two. Now, the Titans are in a good position right now. Last year around this time, they had around 77 contracts on the top 51 or or 77 contracts heading into free agency, if memory serves, right around that number. This year, they only have 52 people signed a contract. So that means that we're going to get to, when we sign people, a bigger amount cap hits to drop off when we sign. A little confusing, so we'll move on. The next thing you need to know is when you see a contract tweet, you don't have to get up in arms about a the per year, which is commonly known as AAV. AAV does not matter. In the big scheme of things, it does not matter. Now, obviously, on a one-year deal, it would matter, right? I mean, you're getting paid most of that money. Cap hits matter because there's all kinds of different ways and maneuvers to lessen cap hits and all this kind of stuff. Typically, the Titans, whatever you see the AAVB, it's going to be way less. Uh, like 
Mike said, you could probably expect JJ Watts cap hit to be 10 mil, which is about five mil less than what his AAV, AAV is. So just don't worry about it. when those, these tweets first came come out, nobody really has the full details of the contract. It can take hours to days to weeks. It took weeks for Vic Beasley's contract details to come out last year because there were some incentives and all this stuff and blah, blah, blah. Do not freak out over any big free agent signings or anything like that. Wait till the numbers come out and all that kind of stuff before making judgments. Um, the next thing is, is the last thing we're going to hit is franchise transition tags. So, cause we're going to be talking about that today. Dates to use the tags, like I said, February 23rd to March 9th. There's an exclusive franchise tag, non-exclusive franchise tag, and a transition tag. Three tags. Any unrestricted free agent can be tagged by his own team. Can you be tagged multiple years in a row? Yes. And how many players can be tagged by every year? One. So you can only tag one player every year. Uh, Non-exclusive franchise tag. It's the most common one that teams use. This allows players and agents to shop around for a better deal. If the player finds a better deal and the team doesn't match it, then the other team that's signing them must give up two first-round picks. So pretty expensive. And they have to give them to the team that is losing them. Right. The exclusive franchise tag is exactly that. The player cannot go find another deal. He is stuck with that team unless he is uh, traded. And the transition tag. The transition tag is a cheaper version of the non-exclusive franchise tag. The player is allowed to try and find a deal. But if they find the deal and the current team does not match that deal, they don't get any draft picks. Other rules to know, um, a, team, a team can rescind the tag if the player hasn't signed it. Both the team and the players have a deadline of July 16th to work out a multi-year deal that would replace the franchise tag, much like Derrick Henry did last year. And players don't have to sign their tags. A player can opt out to just sit out and not get paid they have 10 weeks into the regular season to sign it, or they can, can't ever join the team that, that season, and uh, they could still get tagged the following year. It's a lot to go. It's, there's a whole thing of it on here. I know it's very complicated, probably in audio format, but this is just some basics because we're going to get into now with Mike how the Titans can go about creating some cap space. I transitioned. Sorry, Lepowski. I just felt it was no, natural. Please, by all means. <laughs> um, Wait yeah, so Do you have any questions, Lepowski? I guess the only question I want to ask yeah. is um, why, and this may sound stupid, but why do players not like franchise tags? I think it's because they feel stuck and maybe they feel they can. They, franchise, even though it's fully guaranteed uh, and you get paid typically a lot of money. I mean, Kirk Cousins obviously kind of loved it because he got paid a lot, but they want that long-term security, right? That's the key is that you're in an NFL where your next snap could technically be your last due to an ACL tear or uh, concussions or something like that. So while it's one year fully guaranteed, you want more years fully guaranteed to try and get that. And a lot of people like to see their options. I mean, it's like an arranged marriage, right? I mean, there are some people who love arranged marriages and in in a culture. And then there are some that want, yeah, there's some that just want to want to see what's out there, what the, what the world holds. So like to me, the worst thing a player could do is get tagged and not be somewhat cooperative in working out a deal out, a.k.a. Le'Veon Bell, who left a lot of money on the table because he's a moron. Yeah, and I, I think the other thing that the uh, um, pl- the other reason players don't like the franchise is basically teams just use it as a weapon to keep their their earnings down. Um, they, they're, you know, the, the tag is kind of a, a threat that they use to say, all right, well, you know, if you're not going to play ball with us on the long-term contract, we're just going to tag you and keep you anyway. So, you know, they use it as kind of a ceiling to keep salaries down essentially for elite level players. Um, so that's, that's one of the reasons that they don't like, it. even though, yeah, like Zach said, it's not a, it's not a bad deal, you know, when you're playing and not playing on it, honestly, but you don't have that long-term security and, and, uh, and basically they're, they're just using it to keep 
salaries from escalating as quickly as they might otherwise. Makes sense. Makes sense. Thank you for letting me get my question in, Zach. Yeah, no problem. Sorry. I kind of took over. But <laughs> I figured, you know, this isn't, you know, really in your wheelhouse. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of listeners like that. Certainly. No, of course. So, so let's go ahead, Mike. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just I've botched this transition. Go ahead. Smooth. Uh, Real smooth. So, uh, yeah, I was I was going to get into um, how the Titans can create cap space. We've already seen them start doing it with Adam Humphreys being released, uh, which cleared $4.47 million off the cap, leaving behind a, a $5 million dead cap hit. And I've, I've seen some people kind of asking, well, why did the Titans do that? It's not a whole lot of cap savings, and you're giving up a, a player that, you know, you would think would have at least a $4.47 million value on the open market uh, if he was a, a free agent. But um, I think Humphreys' concussion issue and really general injury issues uh, are, are the biggest thing there. It, it's a little bit scary for a team to go into a season with even, even if you're just looking at the, the actual savings that four four 4.47 million it's very, very difficult for a team to go into the season with a guy that's missed 16 games over the last two years, carrying that, that money. They want guys and John Robinson talked about it in his little press conference last month, you know, Hey, we need guys that can stay healthy and be there at the end of the season. He talked about how that was one of his big lessons that he felt like he took away from this season was you've got to have guys that finish. You got to have guys that can take care of their body and stay healthy and, and get, get to the finish line. Now, obviously there's some freak injuries that are going to happen. It's football. It's a, a contact collision sport. Um, but if guys are repeatedly hurt over and over again, I, I think that's where you start to to worry about, all right, is this guy just injury prone? Yeah. Um, that froze again. Yeah, well, you're here. You're <laughs> my, here. my internet is brutal right now. So uh, <laughs> anyway, so I think the reason Humphreys got released is really they're worried about that concussion, long-term injury issues, stuff like that. And they, they need to scrape together as much money as they can. Other guys that I think could save some money for them. Obviously Malcolm Butler is a big question mark. Um, I think the best course of action with Butler is to restructure him if they can, uh, or, or maybe, maybe ask him to take a pay cut. If, if you can convince him to do that, um, you know, that's a tough sell on a season where he is coming off of uh, a really good year, but uh, frankly, he's not going to get, uh, I think his, his total salary plus incentives next year is like $12.2 million. There's no way he's getting $12.2 million from another team on the open market at, at age 31. So there is some, some space for them to negotiate. He doesn't have any guaranteed money left on his, his contract that they have to pay out. So there's a lot of room for the Titans to say, look, if you want some of this money, we're going to have to work on something to get your cap number down to create some flexibility for us. So um, I think that's a, a, a big one. And then I think Kenny Vaccaro is, is a guy that I would look at and say, you know, they aren't going to save a ton of money off of, of cutting him. It, it's only going to be, you know, in the, the three to 4 million range, but it is uh, it's not so much that Vaccaro saves him a ton of money as it is that, it, he'll save them a little money, and I think Hooker's ready. Like, I think Imani Hooker's ready to play and be a starter. I think you could slide Dane Kirkshake up into that third safety role. Uh, you know, maybe you draft somebody to kind of come in and backfill uh, that spot, you know, in the in the middle to late rounds. Or, you know, you sign a depth guy that can that can give you some snaps in, in a role. But I think Imani Hooker's ready to go. And I, I think Vaccaro played reasonably well last year, but he's lost a step. He's 30 years old. Um, he's going to lose more steps. And he was never a fast guy to begin with. And in a league where speed is more and more of a premium, uh, having a guy that that really just can't run in your secondary is is tough. Um, so I think I think the Titans probably let Vaccaro go. And we see a hooker Bayard uh, pairing in the secondary uh, at, at safety next year. So I think those are the three big guys, but then the big money's really in restructures. And, and the two guys I think you would look to first for that, for the Titans are Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill. You just signed them to new deals, but they have guaranteed money left that you can convert in, that you can convert into bonus. 
and spread that that salary cap hit out. Just by restructuring those two deals, you could create $20 million in cap space if you wanted to. So, you know, that's if they maxed it out. I don't know if they'll do that or how comfortable they'll be doing that. But, I mean, it, it's basically you can take money from their 2021 cap and move it however you want because it's all guaranteed. It doesn't really matter when they get paid versus, you know, anything else. It's just, hey, where do you want the cap hits to fall? And, and they can manipulate that as, as easy as they want to clear cap space for this year. This is going to be a very stupid question, but, and I know it's, it's speaking in generality, but do GMs try to fee, free up a certain amount of cap space because they're targeting a specific free agent or a set of free agents? And they know if, and again, I'll just make a number up. Hey, if I get 28 million cleared, that'll put me in the market for X, Y, and Z. Yeah, I think they have to, because I, I think, and John Robinson kind of mentioned uh, again in that press conference, building out multiple models, right? So they were looking at different models of, all right, if we want to go be in the Allen Robinson market, let's just say, for example, this is the kind of cap that we feel like we need to free up. This is how we can do it. This is the other players that we could sign along with him. Or if we want to be in the Shaq Barrett market or, you know, whatever else uh, kind of, Whichever free agents they really want to target, I think they were building out models of this is what it looks like from a cap standpoint. These are other guys we think we can fill in. So would you rather have, uh, for instance, Shaq Barrett and Marvin Jones, or would you rather have uh, Allen Robinson and uh, let's say uh, Hassan Reddick? Um, so like th there's going to be different – combinations and you can probably go heavier at one spot and lighter at another spot, depending on what you want to look at. But yeah, I think they, they certainly have to have, all right, we know we need a couple edge guys. We know we need a couple wide receivers. Uh, you know, we need to fill in, a, you know, an inside linebacker spot, a defensive line spot, depending on what they do with Daquan Jones and Jam Brown. They may need a tight end if they let Johnu Smith walk. So I feel like they, they've got a shopping list. They know the positions that they need to fill. And it's all about how, who do we want in those spots? Who's going to be available? And then how much money do we need to free up to go get them? Because frankly, I, I think this is a huge point. The Titans window with this current group is the next two years, in my opinion. It, it is 2021, 2022. And then, you know, maybe you get into 2023. But I think right now they need to go for it in these next two years because you look at the offensive line, four of your five starters are, are 30 years older or more. Um, Derrick Henry is, you know, we've talked about how he's a cyborg, but he's only probably got maybe two or three years left at this level. Like, I, I'm not saying he's going to not be able to play after he's 30. I, I'm sure he will be able to, but um, at this level, he's probably only got two or three years left. Ryan Tannehill's 33. You know, this group is built to win in the next two years. And then you're going to have to start to retool the offensive line. You're going to have to look for a Ryan Hill successor. You're going to have to look for a Derrick Henry successor. So it's going to look very different in 2024, I think, uh, for sure. Well, so, especially after blowing now. 2020's offseason, I mean, just totally 2020's offseason is an F. And that it knocks down your window. I mean, you got to be aggressive, but you got to be aggressive in the right way. And he was aggressive last year. I mean, John Robinson yeah. was aggressive last year. It just was ignoring neon lights saying, do not draft this guy or do not – um sign this guy in, or and in, and a, in a way in a way last year he was he was swinging for the fences he's yeah, swinging yeah. for the fences in a one-year thing like maybe maybe vic beasley we can unlock his like incredible physical talent and he gets back to the 15 and a half sack vic beasley maybe clowny you know we can get him back into that form. i mean he went after guys that were immensely talented but did have red flags and frankly they just all came up snake eyes on him right i mean yeah. it's it's you know if one or two of those work out, maybe we're looking at it totally differently, but none of them did. So, right. Um, I think you with the rumor of JJ Watt, you again. know, he's going to do it. He's going to be yeah. aggressive. If you, yeah. if that JJ Watt rumor is true about the offer, then you know, he's going to be aggressive this off season. And by all accounts, the Titans were involved on Watt. I, I think it's pretty clear that they were, they were chasing, they were pretty aggressive about it. So I, I think that tells you, 
he understands this. He is going all out. I think he's going to be very aggressive in freeing up space and attacking the market, trying to get these guys in that are like the pieces that he feels like they need uh, to compete for a championship next year. Cause I, I think they're going to, I think they're going for it. I think they're in win now mode and, uh, and that's exciting. Um, you know, as a fan of a team that has been a long way from win now mode for a long time. Zach, who are possible franchise tag candidates for the, uh, for the Titans? Well, I think there's two. And I mean, there are two obvious ones. I, I don't think Jayon gets franchise tag. I just, I, something about it just doesn't, sit right with me and I really don't think Corey will but he would be my second one to me you transition tag Janu all day long and work out the deal and you you work out a long-term deal much like they did with Derrick Henry last year when they tagged him and worked out a long-term deal they went right up to the deadline which is fine and they'll probably go I think so far I don't know that any team has tagged a player yet so I think that will be an exciting uh, March 9th when it happens. But right now, I just think that Johnny makes the most sense. He's the least expensive one. The transition tag is currently, according to over the cap, $8.9 million. Um, you tag him, and then you work out a long-term deal that lessens the cap hit of 8.9, which will probably end up being a $4 million cap hit in year one when you get the deal worked out. I mean, to me, it just makes the most sense that that is the way to go. That's how I would do it. And I feel that I've gotten so much stuff right that me and John Robinson are correct on everything that we talk about on this podcast that, um, you know, I was right about the Derrick Henry thing, you know, and all this stuff. Numbers just, it just makes sense. It just makes sense to tag him out of all of them. You should go on Twitter and start begging for a job. I should. I should beg for really a job. should. I, I agree on on Johnny. I think he's the guy that that makes the most sense. It, it's a palatable number for him. I think you you want to keep him. I, I've I've been pretty uh, adamant that you have to keep either Johnny or Corey Davis, one of the two, because I, I do feel like we saw it last year. Continuity is important um, in in bringing back losing both of those guys and basically only having one of your top three targets on the team back. Uh, next year would be tough, even though AJ Brown is is a stud, and I want to see him get more targets and all that stuff. Um, but Johnu's a good player; he's ascendant. I think he he's still only 25 years old at a position that tends to age well. Uh, I I think I think Johnu is a guy that you want to keep around, and and Mike Rabel loves him. So I mean, yeah. And in this I, I particular that, that goes for something. in this particular draft class, it's going to be easier to find uh, in this particular draft class and free agency. This offseason, it's going to be easier to find a wide receiver than it is a tight end at, at both those levels. It's going to be easier to find a Corey Davis replacement than it would be a Johnny Smith replacement. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, rookie tight ends are almost never good uh, right away, even though I do I do love some of the tight ends in this draft yeah. class, Tommy Trimble and, uh, and Pat Fryermuth. And, I like um, uh, Brevin Jordan, too. Yeah, Brevin Jordan's a good player. Um so there are some some good prospects, but they're almost never good right away. So and the chances them of them being in. there slim, right, like, right. And and if your window, if you're looking at your window, is this year and next year, like we just talked about, that tight end that you draft to replace Janu, if you draft him this year, is not going to be good in that window more than likely. I mean, even even T.J. Hawkinson, who was like a, a you know mega tight end prospect coming out and everything, he he kind of started to put it together last year, but he was not very good as a rookie. Um, so, and, and I don't know that any of those guys are quite TJ Hawkinson level as a tight end prospect. So I think expecting those guys to come in and fill Johnny's shoes uh, right away is, is kind of absurd. Um, and well, but, like but said, Mike the, the wide receiver market is fantastic, but Mike, we had three tight ends that had similar stats to one tight end. So <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, it seems like John who's very expendable when you got three guys that could do the work of one, according to some of the biggest idiots on Twitter on Titans yeah, Twitter. Yeah, it's like, it's like the three kids in a, in a trench coat thing. It's like, yeah. well, we could put these three kids in a trench coat. And he's just as tall as, uh, you know, Shaquille O'Neal. So, <laughs> I mean, it's the same thing, right? Yeah. Listen, if just you put, tie- put three kids in a trench coat at center. If you tie Corey Davis and AJ Brown together and have them run the tight end route, that's kind of a tight end. 
Yeah. It's weird. It's four legs. It's kind of a tight end. No, but in all seriousness with Corey Davis, are the Titans, you think the Titans are going to be able to retain him? It, it seemed like, you know, obviously last season, the talk revolved around enjoy him while he's right here in front of you because he's going to be gone. But it seems like there's been a little bit of talk, you know, leaking out that he wants to find a favorable deal for him and the team and that they want to try to make it work for him to stay. Yeah, if you take what Teron Davenport said and then combine it with a tweet that Justin Mello put out either last week or two weeks ago about buying a house and that he is looking for opportunity and wins more so than money, and then you hear what Teron said, that he thinks that both sides really want to work something out, not that they will, and not that Corey Davis for sure will sign anything that he's offered, but they want to work things out, that... It, there's a good chance that it happens. And like we said, you know, last year, just like you just said, we all thought that he would be for sure a free agent. Now we're talking that he could stay. I think there's a scenario where the Titans can afford him and he can stay. If he leaves, I don't think it's a devastating blow by any means anymore. Now, like Mike said, if Johnny Smith and Corey Davis both leave, that's a little different. But I, I just feel that there are apt replacements either in the draft or free agency that can work out. I want Corey to stay. I would love for both Corey and Johnny Smith to stay. And we just have to, I don't like creating unnecessary holes and have to rely on the, the draft and free agency to fall your way. Right. So I would much rather have find a way for Corey Davis stay and Johnny Smith to stay. And then we just have to worry about that slot position, slot wide receiver position, and we're good to go. And, and, Will that happen? I don't know, but I think there is an avenue that it could happen. And, you know, I think it's a better than 50% chance that he does stay. Uh, Top free agent picks are fits. Obviously, you know, we'll cover wide receiver and edge. Mike, who, um, who in both those positions do you feel like fits for the Titans? So at the edge spot, um, you know, I, I think a guy like Romeo Aquara, uh, it makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, he, he's some, some will kind of put him in the, the one year wonder category, but you know, he's had, uh, a, a couple good seasons. Now 2018 was, was pretty good. 2020 was really good. Um, he's still a young guy. I think he's just 25 years old. Um, kind of an ascendant player in my opinion. I think Bud Dupree is a, a pretty good fit uh, as well. He, his numbers are better than his play probably. Um, so I think if you're expecting him to come in and be a, a 12, 13 sack guy, you know, maybe, maybe pour a little bit of cold water on that, but um, I think he's a good player. He certainly would help them. He would be better than anything that they ran out there the last couple of years uh, on the edge. So I think those are a couple of guys that, that I would certainly look at along with there's an argument I think to be made for rather than spending a lot of money on one guy, spending a little bit of money on Justin Houston or uh, Ryan Kerrigan as guys at outside linebacker uh, veterans, and then pairing them with like a Tyus Bowser, who is kind of an ascendant guy that, that from the Ravens, who I think has a lot of tools that you could really turn into a nice player. So maybe you go with, with two guys at more, you know, mid-level contracts than one guy on a big contract. Obviously my favorite is still Carl Lawson if he hits free agency, but it's looking more and more to me like he's going to end up getting tagged by the Bengals. Um, But those, those are my edge guys that I'm kind of tuned in on. Uh, I, I say some edge guys that would fit that mold of, you know, mid-range contracts. I mean, you got, got good guys like Vic Beasley, Jadavian Clowney. I mean, you might as well just sign them right up. <laughs> well, the, the mid, mid-level guys like uh, Shaq Barrett was a mid-level guy. No, uh, I'm, I'm, just, I mean, I'm not Ogba making fun of you. I'm making guy. fun of – I'm just being facetious <laughs> yeah. about that. You know, <laughs> someone that, you know – is intriguing is someone like Trey Hendrickson. I do like Romeo Akawara and I'll, I don't know if he should come to Tennessee because nobody will be able to say his name correctly more than likely, but I like old little Romeo, you know, people that I'm scared of to sign (laughs) old little Romeo people I'm scared of to sign are people like KJ Wright, Solomon Thomas, Leonard Floyd. I'm scared to sign, Bud Dupree on, 
yeah, Matt Judon, I'm totally out on. You know, Bud Dupree is another guy I'm a, I am a little scared of. I'm hesitant, not saying that he couldn't be that guy that everybody says he is, but he comes from a team where everything around him is almost perfect. <laughs> so, you know, I'm a little, I'm a little scared of guys like that. Uh, you know, same, I don't think I have the same hesitation with Shaq Barrett. Cause I think that he is just good. Melvin Ingram would be a little bit nerve wracking sort of, but you know, it's, it's a really good time to be into the edge market because it's flush, right? Talent is everywhere. Some level of talent is everywhere. That means that talent is going to be a little bit easier to talk into taking maybe a little bit lesser of a deal or for one year or something like that. I think we need a couple of long-term solutions, but I'll tell you the guy that's for sure going to be in two-tone blue next year, and that's Ryan Kerrigan. Ryan Kerrigan is going to be in two-tone blue in 2021. I'm putting it in marker it's happening they tried to apparently kick the tires on a possible trade for him this past off or this past year so to me i think ryan kerrigan is the guy that's coming to tennessee and he's not he's the solution to- yeah mike what does the um what does the ideal titans offseason look like for you i think so the biggest thing you know you've got to go get a pass rush I think the ideal situation, you try to keep the like Mal. I, I would like to keep Malcolm Butler. I'd like to keep a Dory Jackson and, and see what that secondary finally looks like with Jackson, Butler, and Fulton all together. I, I think that's what they intended for it to be last year. I, I'd like to see what that actually looks like since we didn't get to see it, you know, really at all uh, in 2020. And then you know, go get. I think a combination deal, uh, you know, like a if you could get Okwara in, in Kerrigan, I think that's a home run. If you could get um, – I'd i like to see Jayon Brown back if they could afford to do it. But if not, you know, they're Matt Milano, um, uh, what's the other guy? Um, uh, Levante David, if those guys come free, I would love to see those guys here. Now, I think there's a chance that they just roll with – Rashawn Evans and David Long and draft a linebacker uh, to kind of supplement those guys. But um, we'll see. I mean, really in my ideal Titans offseason, they're trading Rashawn Evans uh, and getting something else back, bringing back Jayon Brown and then maybe drafting a linebacker. So I, I think, uh, I think anything, any combination of adding some wide receiver talent, bolstering the edge and then you've got you've also got to improve at corner too i think i think corner is a spot to me where i would certainly would not rule out a corner at 22 i I think that's a spot where the draft offers some really good players right there um and if jc horn was on the board at 22 i don't know that i there's a whole lot of people i'd pick above him um he's really good player really perfect fit for what they like to do what they want their corners to do um I'd kind of love to have him and have him come in where, you know, Butler stays for another year, maybe at a reduced price tag can play. You don't have to, you know, force horn into the lineup right away. If he's not ready, uh, if he is great, but I, I think you could play, you know, you have enough snaps at corner that you could play four guys um, and, and get them all some run. And then next year you let Butler go and, and it's Horn and Fulton and, you know, maybe Jackson or, or whoever else. But I, I think that's kind of in general what it looks like. And we'll do a draft podcast here soon, but there's not unless some edge, unless Quiddy Pay and Aziz Ojolari fall down to 22, I'm out on taking an edge at 22, and I think Titans fans need to make peace that they probably will not see an edge drafted at the first round, barring those two guys fall, because I know a lot of people are are mocking Jalen Phillips to us, but concussion history, red flag. Lack of passion for the game. I mean, his ideas and his mind tends to wander towards music producing and, and stuff like that. Well, I think with Isaiah Wilson has put a nail in the coffin of anybody that is looking to produce music and with his recent thing, 
I don't know if if they're going to go that route. Now, maybe that's unfair to characterize Jalen Phillips. They doesn't have a passion for football, but it may be his one B to something's one A. I'm looking for someone that football is life. If it, me personally, if I am the Titans after the offseason I just had, I am looking for football's life. I love football no matter what. I eat, breathe, you know, all this stuff. I would, I'm going to name my first child football. I'm going <laughs> to name my second child NFL and my third child Tennessee Titans. You know, live, breathe, eat, pray, love some, uh, some football. Tennessee Titans, you get in here to eat your green beans. So, Mike, let me ask this, um, and I'll ask both of you this question to to wrap this bad boy up. First round, not who, but what position do you see the team drafting in the first round? I'm going to go corner. I, I, I think they value cornerback play, and especially this is especially true if either Malcolm Butler or Dory Jackson are not back. There, there are some corners on the free agent market, but there's not a ton that you love. Uh, there's like Shaq Griffin. Um, you might see, uh, I, I could see like if Stefan Gilmore was to come available, which I still think he probably will at some point, I could see the Titans getting involved for him if they did not have Butler or Jackson on uh, under contract. But I think corners are a really nice spot for them uh, in that 22 range. So I'm, I'm going to go there. Zach. I think I think I lean a little towards wide receiver. And now this will of course depend on the offseason and what we do what we see them do in free agency. But I kind of lean I kind of lean wide receiver in that in that pick. And I'm not entirely sure I'm, I'm I just don't rule it out. Something about it right now just seems like if Corey Davis walks or if um they don't find his replacement or they don't find the slot replacement. They may go to one of those top tier wide receivers in number 22. Um, I think the ideal scenario for them is that they want to trade out, but we know that it takes another team to want to trade up to in that spot with you because last year they tried to trade out and nobody wanted to trade with them. Well, that's going to do it for us. It's been a nice, informative, lengthy podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, again, Zach's article, Free Agency 101, is up at broadwaysportsmedia.com right now. Go check it out. That is a free article. Anyone can read it. So please, by all means, dig into it. Um, we've got plenty of off-season off coming up. This time next week, uh, franchise tag deadline. That'll be the first uh, block to hit. And then we're off to the races there. Soon, we'll be on the draft before you know it. Uh, as always, we appreciate you tuning in. Football and other F-words, you have just been effed. A Broadway Sports Media Production.